that even now, a month later, the New York police had only a handful of arrowheads and a fistful of press clippings. Yet forces were at work, driven by their greed and lust for power, carrying out a plan so broad in scope and insidious in conception that it would successfully wipe out the meager savings of the aged and the vast fortunes of the super-rich alike. A grandiose scheme that would bankrupt the richest nation in the world and place it at the mercy of an aggressive and hate-filled neighbor. But there was a wild card in their deck, one that would soon prove to be a grim joker. A letter, mailed by a dead man, outlining some of the details of the plot and begging for help. It was mailed with blind hope, delivered by benevolent chance into the hands of... THE PENETRATOR CHAPTER One: VIOLENT ENCOUNTER Goblins and harlequins thronged the dirty streets of the French Quarter, jostling shoulders with devils and dominoes as they moved in a surging, solid mass filled with the spirit of carnival. Mardi Gras was five nights old, with five more to go. The long holiday weekend was just beginning. School was out, and most businesses would be closed from Friday night until Ash Wednesday. Canal Street presented an almost impenetrable human barrier. On Canal Street, one man seemed to stand out from the mob he was trying to push his way through. He was taller than many of the revelers, and his light tweed jacket, dark slacks, and open-collared sports shirt were a marked contrast to their gay costumes. His longish black hair, full mustache, and dark complexion could have marked him as a local, but his deep black eyes flashed with impatience. He was late for an appointment. He was in a hurry. Using his shoulders, elbows, and forearms, Mark Harden twisted a pathway through to Mardi Gras crowds like the flanker back he used to be. His dark eyes took in street numbers searching for the address in the letter that had brought him to New Orleans. He had received the message at the stronghold three days before, delivered personally by Kelly Patterson. It had come in a separate envelope, addressed to the sheriff's lieutenant, containing a single sheet of paper with a handwritten message. The writer, Pierre Rubidoux, had read in the papers that Lieutenant Patterson might know something about the person he wished to contact. Would Lieutenant Patterson see that the enclosed envelope reached its destination? The sealed message was addressed simply, The Penetrator. Inside the envelope was a $20 bill and another handwritten letter covering three sheets of cheap writing paper. It was simple and to the point. Mr. Penetrator, this letter is written with the hope that you will help me. The $20 bill is counterfeit, yet it is not. Other fishermen and I have been paid with these bills by Gulfland Fisherman Co-op. When I noticed that there was some odd about the bills, Marcel Boucher, the head of our co-op, demanded I return them. I have some of the bills, fifties and twenties, that I told him I spent. I have a friend who says there's something wrong with them but it is very technical and I don't understand. He said that you would have to know what to look for to find the bad bills. 
for that reason, and because I think I am being watched, I cannot go to the police or the FBI. I have heard things that make me believe there's enough of this bad money to destroy our country's economy. Boucher is going to distribute. I fear for my life and my daughter's. You are our only hope. If you get this letter, please come to New Orleans. B.S. 723 Canal Street on the edge of the French Quarter, 7 o'clock, Friday night, February 22. I will bring proof. We pray to God for your good fortune and your help. From one who admires what you do, Pierre Rubido. The brilliant Professor Haskins, Mark's mentor, had given the bill every counterfeit test known and had pronounced it genuine. The ink, paper, and engraving appeared flawless.